Whenever you rent or buy a video, you need to be sure that the film you choose is suitable for the audience at home. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. Hello, welcome to Friday Night Movie Time. This is Mike. This is Lee. What have I decided to discuss? Actually, we were going to go with Commando, weren't we? Ah, first of all, yeah. And then I noticed that last month, something was 40 years old. A film I've been a fan of all my life, and it's 1982's Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. This was one of the first films I ever saw on video. I'd seen the first Star Trek movie in the cinema, but I never went to see this for some reason. I have seen this film since in the cinema when The Undiscovered Country came out. They showed every Star Trek movie in the cinema up until, up to, to and including The Undiscovered Country. Also directed by uh, Nicholas Meyer. Who should have just directed every Star Trek movie. There was that theory when we were younger that every even-numbered one was good and every odd-numbered one was horrendous. But I really enjoy Star Trek 3. I think there's a bit of a trilogy going on with this film, Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. But as I've got older, I've liked 3 even more and liked 4 even less. You've seen that. I was thinking this the other day. And I do like 5 now as well. It's given such a bad rap. There's so many yeah. bad things about it. But it's, got... an, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah, I've got to bring that up with you now, Mike. I personally think there are more better Star Trek movies than Star Wars movies. If you think about it. The amount that we've got now. Yes. Is that However, our 80s bias? So most of them been in our childhood decade of the 80s, do you think? Um, No, because I always kind of liked The Phantom Menace. I always liked Revenge of the Sith. I always hated Attack of the Clones. But there are more good Star Trek movies. I never subscribed to the whole even-numbered films were good. One was good. Two was good. Three had a lot of redeeming features, so I could say I enjoyed it. Four is okay. Yeah, after you told me, oh, I watched Star Trek Five again the other day, and it wasn't as bad as I remembered. It was as bad as you remembered. It's awful. But six is great. I think actually five is one of those Phantom Menace type ones now that gets better each time you watch it. I mean, I'll, I'll, if you're willing to put yourself through it, that is. At some point, I'm going to start watching them all over again from number one right in fact i'll probably finish after undiscovered country 
because even though I loved The Next Generation and Patrick Stewart Picard, the crew were fantastic. The original cast are much better. Yeah. The films are more engaging. Shall we say when we first encountered the TV show, I'm guessing it would have been the BBC Two repeats, I think, in the early 80s? Mine was the late 70s. So, yes, it was the 70s repeats. I think it might have been the anime series as well. Which still stands up so well. Which is incredible. A fan has done the short episodes of Voyager in the same animation style. That's fantastic. I haven't, but I will look that out um, later on. I'll link that to you later. My history of this movie is recorded off, I think, ITV, because it's one of those ones on tape where I can still remember exactly where the ad breaks were. And I watched over and over on the VHS tape. Absolutely loved it ever since. Um, that's one thing that I've noticed as well. A lot of the time when I say, all right, there was an ad break, usually with the Superman movies. Yes. I find quite like, going, all right, this was a break, this was a break. Because the very first film my dad recorded off the TV, I remember watching over and over, was The Spy Who Loved Me, which is on a re-release of all the Bonds weekly in the cinema at the moment. And I went to see it last week. And I was like, still expecting the advert break on the big screen. Shall I actually move on to the film itself, Lee? We've yes. uh, had a we bit should. of a chat now, haven't we? Yes, we should talk about The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, sorry. One of the first things are the credits and the sort of cerebral tunes we get um initially they tried to get jerry goldsmith who did the or- original movie motion picture score back but there were a lot of budget cuts after the motion picture in 79 didn't make quite as much money as they planned compared to its budget so they literally stripped back for this and uh, a 28 year old composer called james Horner was brought on board by director nicholas meyer and i can't believe he was that age to be able to produce this absolute masterpiece of the soundtrack this is the music that I think of when I think of Star Trek. Hairs on my arm just raise up. It's so incredible. Yeah, and it's just so cleverly scattered throughout, isn't it? He sort of, yes. he managed to blend it in with the action scenes as well. And the one bit later on when, I've counted in this movie, it's 48 minutes in before Kirk sees Khan on the screen for the first time. When he plays that manoeuvre on him, and we actually hear the shields being lowered by the Enterprise, because they've got the schematics of the, uh, is it the Reliant? Yes. James Horner manages to put that do 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 sound into the soundtrack itself. He blends it in, and that's just one of many clever things that he manages to do. I would say that James Horner's score for this definitely iconic. When you, as soon as it starts, you know exactly where it is. Controversy about this film was the story leak that Spock was going to die. It's the only way they could apparently get Leonard Nimoy to come and agree to come back as the character. And then uh, Nicholas Meyer mentions on the director's commentary on the Blu-ray and the uh, 4K that he put this deliberate fake death of Spock where we think who had been blown up at the beginning and it turns out to be the now infamous Kobayashi Maru test. With Kirsty Alley, who became more famous for being in Cheers. Very much so. This is one of her very first roles that Nicholas Meyer was pretty proud he cast her in. And apparently she liked her Vulcaneers so much she used to take them home and sleep in them. <laughs> yes, I bet someone enjoyed that if he was a Star Trek fan as a kid, her, her partner. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, they would have been adults by that time. Yeah, absolutely. Been around for long enough. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I've noticed is a difference between watching this as a kid and as an adult, I texted you earlier, is the fact it's so exciting with all the action sequences, 
and the idea of friendship in this movie as a kid. But then as you get older, we're getting towards middle age, you realise it doesn't hide from the fact that Kirk himself and the rest of the gang are getting older and how they deal with uh, middle age. There is a scene where he's speaking to the doctor later on about getting older and it really sort of hits home and going, yeah, I know how you feel. All right, granted, I'm not I'm not the starship captain, but it's like, no, I feel like that because I'm not that much younger than you. I like the way Bones turns up with his uh, presence for him dressed like a outer space pimp. He was a pimp. Pretty much, wasn't he? He was the dog. <laughs> I mean, as I, as I messaged you earlier, I've watched this film twice now to make notes on it. What I found mo- most difficult is I start to make notes and then I put my pen down. And then before I know it, the film's ended. I'm like, all oh, right, I've just sat here and just watched the film again, but not made any notes. Yeah, you're so engrossed. It's something I noticed re-watching on the TV the other weekend, Jaws. It's a trick that Spielberg and Nicholas Meyer use. Um, Nicholas Meyer makes the point about film as an art form. You have words, music, pictures together, or on TV, I guess. You're almost taken out of it. Yeah. But the way he uses the camera frames, and Spielberg in particular on the boat scene in Jaws, he makes you feel like the fourth crew member on that boat. Meyer uses it in the same way to make you feel like... A crew member. I had a similar experience recently when I re-watched Jurassic World. When the film first came out, I thought, yeah, this is entertaining. This, this is an interesting continuation of the story. But I was quite bored through it. Whereas when you watch it, when you watch the Spielberg Jurassic Park, you do feel like another member of that team. You do feel like you're being chased by dinosaurs. You don't feel detached from the people. You feel something for them. So, yeah, I, can, I completely understand this. It's just truly great filmmaking. Then we move shortly towards the can scene. Uh, on a Seti Alpha 5 or 6. Yeah. The ship Botany Bay on the seatbelts. How he manages to portray um, panic of going, right, we've got to get out of here now. It brings tension very quickly, especially if you know what that means. And then the strings coming in on the Horner soundtrack as well, yeah. as he as he reveals himself, shall we say? That sets up a joke I was thinking of now, listening to uh, Nick Meyer's commentary. He says a lot of people wondered why Khan keeps one black glove on throughout this scene and takes the other one off. When fans used to ask him this at conventions, Meyer used to say, um, used to turn the question around and say, why do you think he keeps one glove on? And that got, you know what my brain is like, got him thinking, well, his wife's been dead for 10, 15 years. Uh, perhaps it's stuck on now, that glove. Oh, that's the hand he keeps smooth for when he's alone. Crusty, crusty peeling of it if he tries to get it off. (laughs) And then we get those lovable little earworms. As a kid, they're horrible, aren't they? And the thought of them remains into adulthood. That's been done a few times by different films since of them putting something up their nose. I always find it quite disturbing, the idea of something being inside my head. Actor known as Paul Winfield, Captain Terrell. He was known as a bit of a joke between me and my um, mates as a kid, as for always dying in films when it was yeah. only really this and being in the police station in The Terminator when Arnie yeah. drives the car through. That's when he died. We used to have that sort of Sean Bean meme about him back in those days before, well, before online was a thing. He would be the actor who'd die in everything he was in. Almost as good as that first scene in the motion picture when we first see the Enterprise again. Yeah, when they grow up on the little capsule, I think it's Uhura and Jim. Sulu. But I've always noticed how the docking sound we get uh, on this ship always reminds me of the little flute at the start of the little, Littlest Hobo theme tune. 
a voice that keeps on calling me Down the road, that's where I'll always be Cut released on Blu-ray. I got that one and watched it this afternoon. We actually get Scotty's nephew introduced, and this always confused me as a kid because it's cut this scene out in the TV version. You know, Scotty is holding a crew member after that first yeah. interaction and missile firing between Kirk and Khan, and we wonder, you know, why he's so close to him? Why is he like holding this guy? And then that was only yeah. answered years later when it was supposed to be his nephew. One thing I will say about the scene with uh, when Reliant attacks them and blows it up. If you watch in the background at one point, one of the extras actually jumps before the explosion goes off. <laughs> yeah, is that like the funny extra in Quantum of Solace who's actually brushing thin air in the background yeah. behind Daniel Craig? I'd say you don't do that because you're going to get noticed. You know, you might not yeah. be a major Hollywood star, but you can say I was in this movie. You're going to remember me. Do we meet David and Carol Marcus by this point? The next scene that we move on to is when they go to um, protect the Genesis. Yeah, and that's still so well done. It was one of ILM's first computer-generated imagery, wasn't it? And I think it stands up so well still 40 years later. And not only that, I watched this on Blu-ray and then I watched it in 4K. It looks just as good as, say, Avatar. Wow, this looks incredible. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted that program at home just to to watch it, you know? (laughs) Just to have it on your own computer. Which we could do now, like 40 years later, but... Yeah, but we're too old to do it now and lazy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The book that Bones has brought him earlier on is Moby Dick. Yes. Yeah, and then it pretty much sets up similar themes to that. The captain uh, in the no-win situation, which takes us back to the Kobayashi Maru in the first scene. Yes, and this is also the time where we see Chekhov again, where he's been taken over by the dodgy worm. I was going to say Picard, then they turn on Kirk and the rest of the crew. How do they turn him on? <laughs> they order him to execute Kirk while they're beaming off the Genesis. Can I just go back to uh, that first encounter they have? Right. I love the way he turns it around on Khan and pretends he's taking a moment to uh, send over their plans for Genesis. He's just delaying him. Terrell kills himself, doesn't he? Jekov yeah. escapes. Get that lovely uh, shot of the worm being zapped. Yes. Did you notice one thing that slightly took me out of it was... The worm coming out of the ear, the ear was grey. I think it's one of those things we didn't notice on our old VHS copies, and now it's just been magnified. And especially... It's massive as well, doesn't it? The ear looks absolutely massive. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, uh, an orc's ear. I've got to say, I do love the costumes in this movie. The scene where Kirk gets shows shows Genesis, another great line, can I cook or can't I? When you just said, he's shown Genesis, I'm just imagining Phil Collins. (laughs) And he can't dance. Yep. And then we get another fantastic bit of music towards the climax, don't we, with the, is it, Matara Nebula? Did you understand as a kid the dynamics of this battle? Because it seems, when you get to the end battle, it seems that Khan doesn't realise the concept of being below or above another ship in space. Knowing that as a child, I didn't quite understand why he didn't understand. Yeah. Especially because I was aware that he'd been in an episode of the show and he was so supposed to be like this uber smart guy. Yeah, then they have something called the Eugenics Wars in the Star Trek universe of the 90s, and he's born from that, isn't he? Yeah. 
we're talking about the original film, but obviously Khan was redone with Benedict Cumberbatch. Don't, don't mention it. Just, yeah. That's a horrific film. Yeah. He in no way was as, as menacing as the Khan in this movie. I do like in those films, they just give Chris Pine an apple to think, oh yes, this is the character William Shatner used to be, even though it's a different universe. And, and they don't look anything alike. No, I do like the dynamic in those films between the three of them. It's pretty good. You know, Carl Urban plays it up as bones, doesn't he? Carl Urban's a great actor. Not so good at doing accents, but... No, no, I was watching Billy Butcher and his whole family had a flashback in the most recent episode of The Boys and they were speaking in very uh, Australian-American Cockney accents. I've still not started... Well, I've seen like two episodes of it. But I've heard it's good things. As we move towards uh, the very last scenes of this movie... Still stands up so very well, doesn't it? Having that sheet of glass between Spock and Kirk. And obviously we get the the line, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, it always tears me up, that scene does, because it stands so well. Because you get that moment of triumph and then the camera zooms across to the empty seat on yeah. the bridge and you know he's down there. And suddenly the music speeds up and we see Shatner running as Kirk. Yeah. His wig staying on. And he can run at 51 and doesn't look strange. Probably do it now at 91. Well, he can go into space at 91, which did give me a big cheer. Oh, yes, me too. Kirk actually went into space. Awesome thing. And we think old uh, Lenny would have gone as well if he'd still been alive. That makes me sad that most of the crew were gone now. It makes it more poignant now, I think, the end of Star Trek VI when you see um, their signatures written on the credits. Which had been redone by the end of Avengers as well. Because you and I went to see Endgame together. But that was the last time that I went to see a midnight showing was Avengers Endgame. And I think this film sort of ends perfectly by giving you that hope. Apparently quite late in the day when Leonard decided he would come back. Part of that was the fact he got to direct Star Trek. The bit where he says, remember, it's like, okay, this is obviously setting something up. Then we see Spock's coffin, like the new planet. Brilliant touch then to have Leonard Nimoy Spock reading out the space, the final frontier speech. Yeah, it's still a great speech, nearly 60 years on. And 40 years since this movie last month. It's just still a classic, isn't it? I I probably watched it when I had it recorded off TV once a month at least when I was a kid. Still happily do that now, I think. I've, I've left it a long time these last few years, probably four or five years, but still come back to that warm glow of nostalgia. Exactly. I mean, one thing with this franchise, and by this franchise, I mean for the original cast, six is the one that is my favourite. But then when I watch this, I keep forgetting how good a film it is. It really is. Yeah, it's the same, to be honest, it's the same to me with three now. I find myself having to watch three pretty much after two. I'll probably watch it again tonight. I'll be honest, I'm probably going to watch it tonight as well. The added bonus of uh, Christopher Lloyd as yeah. the head thing on. Before um, Back to the Future in his um, taxi days. Before taxi back. just finished. Taxi finished in 82, didn't it? Or 84. And he would just have been the bad guy in the first episode of Street Talk as well. Oh, of course. Brilliant. Along with George Clooney as uh, Rex's mate in the first yeah. episode. With a magical mullet. So that about wraps up A Wrath of Khan. We both think it's still great. What's your choice for next time, Lee? As I'll be honest with you, I haven't thought of it yet. I'll leave it a surprise. Sorry if you were expecting Commando this month, guys, but we'll be back. Was that yep. a hint for Terminator? Probably. Does he say it in Commando? I can't remember.
Yeah, probably. I'll, I'll say you know, we've got to both go now because we're both dead tired. That's that yes. it. Fair enough. Okay, bye for now, guys. Bye for now. Bye bye.